You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to another episode of the Grossed Out Podcast. I am your host, Rob Gross. Today, I am going to be speaking to somebody I have known for about 475,000 years. Super excited to speak to the wonderful, the brilliant Victoria Sagonis. Uh, and today, tell me, which band are we talking about? Oasis! I didn't know that. I thought we we're talking about the hot. No, we're talking about Oasis. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about Victoria. She is an innovative and experienced music industry veteran with expertise in high degrees of success in artist management, global marketing campaigns, project management, and content creation. Started her career at Columbia Records in the street marketing department. She has went on, she has gone on to work in multiple con, uh, Oh yeah, continents, she did, including the UK where she was a product manager at Island Records, handling marketing for superstars and developing acts, including Ariana Grande's Breakout Album, My Everything, Austin Mahoney, Sway Clark, and Alex Clare. Upon her return to the US, she managed the electro-pop duo Fanagram during the release of their fourth album, Ceremony, and was the VP of digital sales and, and leading label BMG. She is currently head of marketing and digital strategy at the newly formed Shelter Music Group, where she handles campaigns for high-profile artists such as ZZ Top and Fleet with mac welcome to the grossed out podcast victoria hi oh hi it's almost here i'm very happy to have you it's almost like we don't talk all fucking day every fucking day (laughs) (laughs) that is very very true it's my own fault i brought you into the fold so it's my own fault you did And now now I'm forever in it and I'm never leaving. Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to be. So before, before we get going, I I always, I always want to tell my favorite story of ours, at least of mine, maybe not of yours, but when we first met and I was just starting out with Interscope, we had gone to a show at my favorite venue, Bowery Ballroom. And we had gone to see one of my favorite bands, Dredge on the Catch Without Arms tour. And they had, we were in the back and pretty packed house and they were, they were starting up the song Same Old Road, which is just basically like a drum intro, but it's still fucking loud. Like Dino, the drummer, is like a fucking beast. And he's going, whatever. So we're at the very, very back by the bar. And we're talking and we are so loud, you specifically, that Dino looked up from the drum kit to see all the way in the back of the room that it was indeed you talking. And he was like, fuck. And I just remember that. And that's like those moments that are like burned into your fucking mind. But it's so amazing. <laughs> I mean, it sounds pretty on point. Mm-hmm. Good acoustics in there. What can I say? My voice travels. Great acoustics, great room. So I'm I'm really excited to talk to you about Oasis because this was the, when I, when I said I was doing this in general, you're like, yo, we have to talk about Oasis. And um. Obviously, all the better to have somebody that lived, worked, breathed, you know, everything in the UK as well. But I'm also a massive fan, dorked out on collecting all the, you know, the import singles and B-sides. And, you know, I I love what Liam has gone on to do. Some of it, I love, I love what Noel has gone on to do. And I just wanted to talk to you because I'm sure you have like, you know, we probably have varying different viewpoints on favorite songs, albums, but I just wanted to just to fucking chat with you about Oasis. It's very selfish of me. No, not at all. I mean, you know, Oasis was like my first real love. Like, you know, I remember when I went to when I went to Greece for like the first. No, it wasn't the first time I, I was 12 and like there was MTV Europe and it was a totally different thing than MTV here. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing all these videos and it was like blur girls and boys. Bjork, Human Behavior, and The Prodigy. I think it was no good. And I was like, what is this? This is the coolest thing on earth. How do I not know about this? And I remember going home, being like the cool little 12-year-old that I was. And I remember walking into the wall. You remember the wall? Oh, because I totally remember the wall. How many times did you fl- like change the cases because your CD scratched and you returned it? I did that so many times. Wait, you changed the case? Oh, um, wait. Wait, Remember there st- was like the sticker on the back and they were oh. like, oh, like a lifetime guarantee. And they always charged like two to $3 more for the CD. They and did. I, they did, but That's they had right. the lifetime guarantee. But then I was like, wait, I can just pop out like the CD case, put it on the back of the wall sticker and return it. Because like there were certain CDs I'd listened to so much that they'd be ruined. I did not do this. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I used to go and buy the CDs at the Wiz. 
Oh my God. Fuck yeah, no, dude. Well, nobody beats the Wiz. Yeah. And nobody beat their prices. But then for the few CDs that I got at the wall, <laughs> oh my God. I flipped the case. It was so terrible. That is horrible. I mean, you, see, I know, you, it, you put them both out of business. Pretty much. Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> but I remember like I had to order those CDs because they weren't anywhere. Um, this was like, I mean, I remember asking for them and they were like, yeah, we don't sell these. And I was like, why? But it was so niche. It was like the 120 yeah. minutes type vibe. And then I don't even remember how I discovered Oasis. I feel like I used to like read up about it and there was like the blur and Oasis rivalry. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, dude, I just remember like listening to definitely maybe and just being like, this is the best fucking band in the world. So that Perfect. was, so that was, so that was a unique thing, I think. Cause a lot, maybe like the older, the older guard, maybe looking at like five to 10 years older than us. Those are the people that I know now that were like, oh yeah. Like I was all on definitely maybe in like 90, you know, it was it 92, 93 and 94, 94, sorry, 94. And it, the rest of us mostly fell in line when what's the story came out because mm-hmm. that, that was, that was the breakout here. I saw something insane, like recently, like in the last couple of years that when definitely maybe was at its peak, which still had not broke past the alternative nation, 120 minutes kind of thing. It, it was one out of every six households in the UK owned a copy. That's yeah. fucking crazy. It was up until I don't remember what record beat it, but it was up until very, very recently, like the best selling debut album in the UK. Ever. I think I think it was Adele. Yes. Or, you're or, right. or yeah, because it wasn't Amy Winehouse because Frank was not as successful. Yes. But, yeah. It was I think it was Adele. It was nine, it was right. 19. Yeah. Well, let's just right. say that it was. Well, whatever it is, but sure. like it was a long run. And like it was just like there was just so I just remember listening to the record and I just felt so connected to it. And, you know, I mean, I was young at the time I was 12. So now you all know my age, you do the math. Um, And I remember like Oasis played wetlands and like they played. And I was like, can I go? And my mom was like, no, also you can't even get into there. You're fucking 12. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) So, you know, and, and it just kind of, like it opened the door, I think, for me, just on a, a, a music level. Like, I mean, I was a fucking Britpop snob. Like, I was a grunge and a Britpop snob. Like, and so nothing has changed. No, nothing. No. Zero. No. I love pop music now, but like, yeah. no, it's this, it's the same thing for me. And, you know, I mean, it's just through the years, like, you know, when I was in junior high school, I remember stealing my dad's shirts because I would be like, he used to have like those, you know, those like kind of prayer shirts i don't know what they're called like priest collar ones that go like button up to the top but oh, like and that have, that have no actual collar yes and because liam gallagher used to wear them and i was like oh i'm gonna dress like liam gallagher oh my God. um but you know it's, it was just like i mean oasis was my first show ever at um oh. yeah at jones beach september 1996 screaming trees opened up and so did oh my like creatures just- i know Everyone I know, my wife has seen the Screaming Trees like so many times because she grew up in Seattle and I never got to see them. And I like, really? I'm the biggest Screaming Trees fan I know. And I've seen Lanigan a ton, which is amazing. But like, I want to see the fuck and they're never going to get back together. Anyway, I digress. But also real quick, that's cool because like you saw your favorite band first. Mm-hmm. I saw Faith No More first. I got, that's a very rare thing to to take with you for the rest of your life. Like, you know, that those bands, like that's probably, this is probably gonna be your favorite band forever. Oh, 100%. And I remember, my God, I can't believe I'm saying this because it's so dorky. I remember the previous, I think it was in March of that year earlier, Oasis played the theater at Madison Square Garden. It was sold out. And I had a friend whose dad worked for Sony. He was in like the accounting department, but like, those are the good old days. Like you'd get four tickets, like it was nobody's business. And the right, of course. And my mom was like, I think you're too young to go alone. I was like, please. So I took my flashlight and I blasted Oasis and I flashed it on pretending I was at the show. To oh my her. God. Yes. Such a fucking nerd. But That's like, amazing. You know, I loved it. And like, you know, like through the years, you know, it's, it's like, 
Look, I feel like people like any band that has been around for 25 plus years, even though Oasis broke up in what was it? 2009, I think. Um, yes. Yeah. 2009. Be, yeah. After Together Your Soul. But people just kind of were like, after like Be Here Now, they suck. And you know what's so funny? I went back to some of like the newer old records and I was like, this shit would blow anything that's being released out of the water. And this is their shitty records. I mean, like, come on, Hindu Times, Heathen Chemistry, Lila. Like, these songs are fucking amazing. And like, all that shit is so good. And and, the B-sides. That is like, that is the like the the biggest take home with anything oasis is like i think a lot of the b-sides are better than the a-sides oh totally well that was the thing right is that you that at that time all these labels were like it it was cash grab so the label saw that okay cool nirvana sells let's sign the melvins let's give earache a deal like the uk grindcore label and put out napalm death and carcass records on columbia like and they delivered like industrial weirdo records but but that's when they were like cool we don't have enough content so like nirvana released incesticide because because they they needed another record and they tried to market it as a new record but it wasn't it was you know like it was all the old stuff oh, that shit. just never that, that never got out and then they did oasis like the master plan it, it, i don't ever view that as a b-sides record because it flows like a fucking studio album yeah i mean there, and there's so many like it was just like hit after hit after hit. I mean, I think my favorite Oasis B-side is Sister Lover, which is on Stand Ooh, By Me. Yeah. And that track is so fucking good. And like, also they did some great covers, like mm-hmm. Jump and Flash. Like there's just so much good stuff. And I think like they were one of, they're one of the last bands that I think are truly like the whole package, like the wit and just, the music and like they actually could say what they wanted to because they were that fucking good is my opinion and you know it's funny i remember like when i was younger people would be like oasis is your favorite band and now when i talk to people they're like fuck yeah and i'm like yeah dude i loved it and like look i love everything i love pop i love hip-hop i love indie shit but like i will always go back and revisit oasis records and especially like living in england for six years and like I've seen Noel at Dingwalls. He did a special show. I've seen like Liam, you know, in, in the, in the last arena run. And there's fucking nothing like going to an Oasis or a Liam or a Noel show in England. It's just like, it's a bunch of like drunk old men that like all of a sudden, like love each other. they're like, Oh my God. Yes. This is the best song. It's like, it's like, it's like this big giant community. It's yeah. I didn't. Great. So, all right. So I see, I never got to see them ever. Which, yeah, it's one of the few. No. That I but I'm not worried. There's enough money to go around, and I I fully believe that Live Nation will save my ass and get Oasis back together. I mean, it's I think Oasis will get back together before, but for the fucking screaming trees. That there they we will have if the Black Crows can do it again, whether mm-hmm. it's not the full band or not. Oasis won't be the original lineup. They will be back together. I fully believe it. Even if it's just for a fucking run and the run gets canceled halfway through, they will play fucking shows again. I mean, I think if they do it, they're going to do one massive one-off. Like they don't need the money. Like Noel lives in a 22 million pound house in like little Venice. Like it's insane how much money they have. But at the same time, they might be so like stick to your guns where they're like, we actually don't need the money. We don't give a fuck. But if they do do it, A, I would be thrilled and I would probably like wait in line like I did when I was a kid and be yeah. like, I'm in the front. Probably not, actually. I'm lying. But your, back, your back's going to hurt so bad. Oh, dude. Can you imagine <laughs> the, the push? I'd be like, oh, I've got to go to the chiropractor tomorrow. But, Sciati- my sciatica, stop fucking pushing no. me. I, yeah, exactly. I'd be like, oh, okay, I, I really outdid myself. I got to go to the back now. But I mean, they might. Like, I feel like if they did it, they would do it at like Reading and Leeds yeah, because Glastonbury doesn't pay enough and they'd be like, fuck it. We're going to headline Reading and Leeds. I mean, and then could, that's it. They do two shows and they'd get right. probably 10 million pounds. Like it was I mean, nothing. They could easily come here, do Riot Fest or do Coachella and get 20 million. 
I know. I mean, if, 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 if Coachella was giving Rage Against the Machine $8 million a weekend, they could double that for Oasis. I mean, I would, I, that would make me go to Coachella. Again. That would also make me go to Coachella right? again. I can't believe you never saw them. You know, no, and I saw, I, I've seen Noel and Liam. Like I saw yeah. Noel, I think on the first cycle of the, the first high flying birds, those first two high flying birds records. Great. Are, like, I like that he's gone off and done like, dare I say more dancey shit, experimental little proggy. I love, because like the guy wrote nothing but, a lot of perfect fucking songs for many, yeah. many years, decades. Go ahead, have fucking write eight minute experimental jams. I don't give a shit. Those first two records were great. Liam, I've seen three times, and tw- once was opening up is like at a Cal Jam. So at two in the afternoon on the blacktop, a hundred degrees. Oh, he was probably miserable in shorts, but also like a parka. But 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 it was really good. Then he opened up for the who right when I started at BMG at the bowl and it was really bad, like really bad. And he just obviously wasn't into it. And I get that because I wasn't into it because I left about three songs into the who set because it's like, wow, I like feeling young at a show again, but right. not, but this is not <laughs> the way this is not the way, but yeah, I never got to see them. And it's, it's a bummer because like, yeah, I just never did. It's like the one. It's like I never. I've never seen ZZ Top either. That's like the one that got away. Well, they're touring again, so yeah, you we're, we're right. gonna rec- we're gonna rectify that. Right, absolutely. <laughs> it's um, it's kind of a bummer, and I really hope that you do get to see Oasis because it is. It's like it's kind of incredible because they all don't do anything and was just so fucking captivated. Like the amount of times Liam will just used to just stand there with a tambourine in his mouth, looking at people. And you were like, you were mesmerized. Right. And Noel Gallagher, I don't understand how it's possible. I don't know if it's some like, like something with his jeans, but like the dude does not sweat. Like if you look at any Oasis videos, he literally does not sweat. It's huh. unbelievable. Like weird random thing that no, I know, but like, I would say if it was if it was Liam, it would be the unibrow would be catching all the sweat. But yeah, clearly, no. that's Noel doesn't sweat. But it it was I've seen Oasis. I've lost count because I've basically seen them on every tour since 1996. That's so, fucking awesome. Yeah, it's a, a lot of Oasis shows, and that's... although I never saw them in in the UK, I saw Liam and Noel in the UK, but I've never seen them in the UK. I was meant to see them in Germany once, and I don't remember why I didn't go. So you've only, you've seen them in the U.S., but not, yeah. okay, got it. I'm trying to think, you know, when like you've seen a band, I mean, like you've seen Pearl Jam so many times, but like mm. when you've seen a band so many times that you forget where you've seen them. And I, I mean, it's, it's basically like U.S. only. No, I'd, have to, I'd have to look back. Pearl Jam's got us covered. There's a fan that started the PJ Stat Tracker. So it's a, it's a fan generated app. So I know exactly which shows I've been to, where they are, what songs I've seen, what songs I'm missing, which albums I've completed. Like this, this is the kind of shit that like, this is the ultimate dork out music nerd. Like it's the ultimate thing. And a fan made it. Cause the band is like not cognizant of these kind of things. They don't care probably, but I care. And it's awesome. Um, oh, I wish somebody would do that for Oasis. That sounds great. I mean, like I, like I, if I look back at obviously like an Oasis, like gigography, I'd know yeah, everything of course. I've been to. And like I, all of my stuff is at, in my mom's attic. So like, I don't have like, I have so much collector stuff. Like I have like the Benson and Hedges box sets. Like um, Epic made like a, a board game as a promo item. Oh, like, wow. Sorry, board game. I have that. I For just... which record? Cause oh, like- I Thing. What would you make? I think it was Don't Believe the Truth. Huh. I think it was a record that they made it for. Like it was, it was very good. It was very good marketing when people uh, had money. Yeah, but, when, we, when we had money. Oh man. Right? <laughs> it was crazy thing that they do. But yeah. it, it was I have so much shit. And like I kind of wish that I was like able to dig through it again and just find out what I have because everything is online now. So you don't necessarily have that like physical connection i mean i have like the master plan box set with the vinyl who like hopefully it's being stored appropriately which would be a shame if it wasn't yes wait but like it was a bummer when i was at ingrooves um we were our our in-house label 
um, the awesomely titled In Residence. Um, <laughs> great, great fucking team of people, really. Like awesome people, just like the name, you know. But anyway, um, we had acquired, Oasis finally got with new management. And it wasn't like, apparently these guys knew what they were, I guess for all these years, it was just, there obviously had to be disconnect. I don't even know the backstory, but we, there's new management at least repping them here. And we were doing the reissue campaign. So that mean like you know, meant deluxe editions, more Bisa, all the things that have now come to light. So before I hopped on the project, I was doing a bunch of other stuff. Shocker, I was overworked. Um, I Somebody else on our team had done the first two records and it came time yeah. to do Be Here Now. And they're like, all right, cool. It's your turn. We need your help. And I was so fucking amped to like to do this. And then I quit. But um, but I, it all came out eventually. I was hoping to get to Standing on the Shoulder of Giants because that's my favorite record. and Which blows my mind. Well, like, what's, what's, well tell me yours. Well, no, no, wait, tell me, tell me, tell me. Finish I thought. think my, mine, mine's definitely maybe. Like, and my, mm. and my favorite A-side is probably like ever is Slide mm. Away. Like, so good. there's just something about that song that like, every time I hear it, like I either like want to cry or like, I just get goosebumps. It's just fucking brilliant, man. Like everything is so spot on. And like the Oasis wall of sound, it's like it, yeah. the production, like how they, how they've recorded their records. Like it's just, everything is so big. And I love that. I love right. big sounding songs. And like, that is, I mean, that song is just so fucking big in so many different ways. And I love it. I mean, look, I love what's the story. I love be here now. Yeah. I love standing on the shoulder of giants. Although I will never forgive Liam for little James. I know it was his first song that he wrote that was on an Oasis record, but that song kind of blows. Like, like I, I didn't say it was per noise. Like I really <laughs> That line. It well, really me. but look like he took that with him. That that is probably the worst song on the record. But he took that with him into. It's like we got to work the first BDI record through Danger Bird, and it was like, yeah, all right, like you know, like like um, uh, the Roller is a fucking great song, and there's there a, is a great song. and there's a couple of good ones on there, and then the next the second record B. Uh, never even came out uh, in, in the US. So like that record is fucking abysmal. So yeah, obviously, and like the stuff that he's doing now, like the, like his solo works now, especially so fucking good. Like so fucking it, good. It, 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 I mean, I personally think like, look, BDI. He tried, he tried really fucking hard. He tried and I feel <laughs> like he just didn't figure out that he could do it alone. And then once Liam went out yeah. like Wall of Glass, that song fucking slays. Mm -hmm. That song's so good like it's a banger it was like when he did it on his own and he was like shit i can do this like it was almost like he needed no bullshit no like overbearing brother no old band members just like him well and that it, that's it so good i think it, there's something about this band that always struck me where it's to your point about the wall of sound like their version of the wall of sound where it's so crisp and so clean because Liam as a lead vocalist is fucking filthy and, and, and gritty. He has that, like, it's like that nasally grit, but I mean that as a compliment. So I don't think they fully nailed that until giants. That record is disgustingly yeah. dirty, like fucking in the bushes. Like my favorite Oasis song ever. Best opener ever. It is the best time. opener ever. And I, keep, I, yeah. heard, I heard it in a movie like last year. I think that people don't know that song is probably their most syncable tune because it's completely unrecognizable if you don't own that record. And, and like there's um, some of my favorite Oasis song is on that record is Gas Panic because that song has that. the that's the hook. That's like no matter what you you like or dislike about Oasis is that like when you look at their hits or even their their deep cuts, they always have this gargantuan hook. And that one is just buried in the record. And it's like, fuck, like this this wasn't a single. Maybe in the UK it was. Here, they I think they had like one shot and that wasn't it. It was uh it was go let it out. Yeah, go let it out. And who feels up was a single. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if Gas Panic was. I feel like it might have been. Um but you know, like I said, I went back to that record and I, cause I always used to be like, I don't know how much I love this. Like it's, you know, 
and I listened to it and I was like, this record's fucking great. Like yeah, put, put your I money mean, where your mouth is, like jam. It's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like at that point, I feel like at that point when they recorded that record, they just didn't give a fuck anymore. They were no. like, you know what? We're gonna play what we want to play. We're gonna say what we want to say. We're gonna make whatever the fuck we want to make. Like I can see a liar and like like where did it all go wrong? Like, oh yeah, there's fucking some, there's some great. Shit in there where you're like, fuck, you are ripping on every single one of your friends. I mean, look, the reality <laughs> is, it's like Oasis came from a shitty fucking council flat in Manchester where they were dead broke. Like, mm-hmm. they are the ultimate rags to riches story. And like, totally. also, just something that I will say, where everyone's like, oh, Oasis wants to be the Beatles. No, 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 no. Oasis wants to be the Stone Roses. They have never like the Beatles were in there, but like Oasis wanted to be the Stone Roses from the, like. Yeah, old, but like when when they first started and they were rain before Noel joined the band and Noel was a roadie for the Inspiral Carpets. And like you hear the old recordings because I have them. Oh, I've never heard those. Oh, dude. I mean, I mean, I'll dig them out of my mom's attic. But like when I was a kid, like I used to go to like Generation Records and like discovered all the bootlegs and all this shit. It was the best. But like you can tell vocally, it's like he want like Liam wanted to be Ian Brown. Liam wanted to be Ian Brown, like circle, like I want to like first record, like you can just hear like and I want to be adored and like Mm -hmm. gold. Like obviously there was a little bit more of like the Madchester kind of dance side to the Stone Roses. Mm -hmm. But like Liam wanted to be Ian Brown. He wanted to be Ian Brown and he wanted to be fucking Richard Ashcroft. John Legend, like John Lennon, he loved, but like vocally. And like, I think the people that he like idolized it, like that were accessible was Ian Brown and Richard Ashcroft. Hands down. It didn't, it didn't help their case uh, covering Helter Skelter and I am the walrus, yeah. but doing it really well. But I, I, I see what you're saying. Like there, look, there are bands that wear this shit on their sleeves and they don't necessarily need to say it, but then there are bands that kind of run from it. Like, I, I, this isn't calling them out, so I know what you're going to say because we both, in a way, work with this artist. But when you have a band like Godsmack, who says that they're not influenced by Alice in Chains or influenced by Metallica, they, they are. Yeah, but but they want they want to say that because the other part's right. so obvious. Like, no, your name is actually an Alice in Chains song, and you were an Alice in Chains cover band before you started doing originals in Boston in the early '90s. So you can say you sound like Meta- you think you sound like Metallica all you want, fine. But so I think to the to, to the maybe to like the general populace to that ear, they don't know the Stone Roses, right? They, they, they it's are like, like Tori Amos saying that she's not influenced by Kate Bush and has no influence. It's oh, like, please. bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? Yes. I love Tori Amos, but like you literally put on a Kate Bush record before you recorded a record. Like literally, <laughs> how do I make this sound exactly like right. Kate Bush? <laughs> you know like it, you know it's one of those things you know what it's okay it's okay it's okay it's okay that right. like i see what you're saying i do trust me i'm not arguing with you i do i just think that like you could pick so many worse bands than 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 ripping off than the beatles or trying to emulate than the beatles and obviously right. there's certain songs like don't look back at anger champagne supernova that's like okay these are beatles songs but Right. and fair but you know the, the decadence and that they took to a whole other le- like the personality aspect of it they're on a complete other it's it's more akin to like 80s hair metal like like i remember like yeah. they knew they were getting bigger and bigger especially globally especially after um morning glory so when they dropped the video for do you know what i mean before be oh here God, now I came remember. out first of all eight minute video or like nine minute video but eight minute song and fucking landing like the, the chopper and all and it's like the, for and that song is t- definitely oh. top 10 for me if not top five but holy shit like who does that a band does that when they know they can do no wrong and that's gotta be an because, awesome place I mean, to be. They just stop giving a shit it was the best i don't know i don't know the stats now but like at the time it was like the fastest selling record in uk history mm-hmm. and like the funniest part is i remember in the US, the world premiere of the video was on 120 minutes at 12 a.m. Because I stayed That's up right. For, that's right. I did too. 
And That's like, right. Stay up. And it was the first video. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can go to bed now. This is great. But we were also trained to do that. Like we did that with like the video for Smack My Bitch Up and like oh, all the GNR cool. videos premiered at like weird times. Like we were just trained to do that. And it was like a fucking spectacle. It's like you're going to wait up till midnight. And like, it, it's like, you know, they had ads for them. And like it was a big fucking deal. <sighs> I miss the I like. I don't mean to sound old, but like no, but- I fucking miss those days, man. Like staying up at 12 o'clock, knowing that like, you know, I mean, I was in high school at the time and I was like, I'm going to stay up and I don't care how tired I feel the next day. I right. like, I want to watch this. And it- I really miss that. Like it's, it's not the same anymore. And I don't know if I would feel differently if I didn't experience it. And I'm sure that like, you know, obviously like every generation has their like, oh, well, you didn't have like vinyl, you, or like whatever it may be. There was just something about like having the visual and the music and like understanding the song so much more and staying up and experiencing it that like, you just don't, at least for me, don't get in the same way, obviously, because there's so much content. So much, but but so much. I mean, I like, I just special. remember oh, just well, that's watching the, it. That's the like, thing. Great. Right. Well, that's the thing, right? That, like we're only two years apart. That's nothing. I mean, it was then it's not now. I love how that works. Right. But that's, that's the thing that I think this band specifically, at least to me, is that when I think about Oasis, no matter what I'm listening to, no matter which Oasis record or song or B-side or whatever I'm on, I have specific memories of this band and they are visual because they were a visual fucking band. Like, yes, it's a given that if you listen to a band, you know, and and you buy the record that you like the band, like, I mean, you're a fan, you like the band, fine. But when I think of, if somebody says Oasis, I immediately think of album covers. I think of the end of the video of Champagne Supernova. I think of the chopper and the fucking pool. And do you know what I mean? I think of the, the un, oh my God, the unplugged where Liam watched Noel front the band from like, you know, from the skybox or whatever in that mm-hmm. theater, watching the show as they heckled each other. Like, these are the things that you think about that didn't exist. They, they don't exist now they're just not i'm sure there's different experiences for kids that are like oh i saw that on tiktok or blah, blah, blah. it's like oh that's rad but i don't i think things move so fast now yeah we were like these things how many times have you seen the video for wonderwall i would say a thousand times oh, like, like on mtv i've probably seen that a thousand times it's ingrained into part of who I am, part of who you are. That's not an experience people get anymore. They see it, they, 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 a song comes out, they watch the video. If you're lucky, if you watch more than 30 seconds of the video, maybe you save the track, maybe you have it in your collection for a few weeks and then it's over. Yeah, I mean, you know, and the thing is, especially with Oasis album covers, like, especially the first three are so memorable. Like I remember mm-hmm. when Peter Now came out and like, you know, obviously all, a lot of the British publications were like deciphering, like they were treating it like a fucking Dolly painting. They were like, what does this mean? What does that mean? Like this clock is in this section and blah, blah, Why is blah. the car in the pool? And yeah. Just, right, right. Yeah. And like everything had like a, everything had like a, a meaning. And the thing is, is like, and like there was like a whole exhibition where like you can like, like put yourself in like the cover of definitely maybe and like the reality is is it was a really simple cover yeah it's just them in a room like that's it and mm-hmm. like you could walk down the street in soho where what's the story morning glory where, where the where the image was shot like in, in in london and like that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore you know but at the same time like you know i'm sure that in you know, 20 years, people are going to say, oh, that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. anymore. Remember when we had that and there's going to be other fucking crazy technology shit that happens. Yeah. Well, like, like they'll, yeah. they'll look back on like Billie Eilish record. Like, do you remember that? Like that was, and you know what? And fair enough. Like that's, right. that's, that's how this is supposed to go. We're supposed to like, we're supposed to respect it, understand it, see how it's shifting culture, but it's not for us. And that's, and that's, you're allowed to like it, love it, whatever, but it, it's, it's not for us. It's for the next generation. And that's what's so that like, I know I look at this in a way that, that is 
definitely through a certain lens, but we were, our generation is the last to have scenes like this. I, there's a, there's an argument that like emo and like the whole Mike Hem and blink and that whole era or the, the later era, like the early, you know, the, the early Coheed stuff that, that there, that's the last, but it really wasn't, that was already my space. We are the last generation to, to literally have scenes. And it was, it was important to know that like, Bush was a, I love Bush, but Bush was a rip of what was happening in Seattle. That, yeah. that Candlebox, even though Candlebox, literally the members are mostly from the Pacific Northwest, they were not a, they were not a Seattle band. They were from Spokane. They were from out in Idaho, Montana. Like it's important to know those things. If you're like, I don't know, a music historian or you're, you know, a real fan. It's like, though that shit was important then. It, it was almost like a hip hop thing. Like you wouldn't, you know, having, having Biggie on a West coast record would have been like in that with that's a moment. It, same thing for our scenes. That just doesn't really exist anymore. That's gone. Scenes don't exist. And like, they exist for like such a hot second. And then all of a sudden they're just totally just ripped apart by something or like the internet, yeah. obviously, but like also like the Britpop scene, like 94 to 97 Britpop, like, mm-hmm. Besides Oasis, like Oasis was in like a little bit of a different genre, but Blur and Blur. like you know, Pulp is much older, but like different class came out in 95 and Elastica and fucking Suede. Like even though a lot of these bands were older, mm-hmm. like they had records in the early 90s or some in the late 80s, like there was just this total like it was just fucking cool and like even weird thing like i mean spiritualized like oh yeah ladies and gentlemen are floating in space we're floating in space is like one of the fucking best records in ever and that came out in 97 like 97 was a good year for britain it was and then there was like to the point about like bush but like the the reverse sounds so filthy the reverse bush um is we had the we had the dandy warhols here we had and then, and then, like at a different level out there, like doing doing their own shit, like placebo, and like there are mm-hmm. all these bands that were just, it didn't matter. I say this to my wife all the time. The worst we had during this period was Jesus Jones, and that's not so bad. So, like, that's right, the right like, even yeah, right here, right ever. But even like the bad bands, like the bad, like yeah. they're not bad, but like the bands that weren't as good, like Gin Blossoms. Lemonheads, these are bands that I love, but that's how good it was. Is that like when you have Oasis and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and all these like really like fucking like genre defining life changing bands at the top, and then you have other life changing bands like the Melvins and Screaming Trees and Mud Honey at the middle, the bottom's going to be pretty solid. So, like, we were just stacked and hip and like hip hop was the whole, like, yeah, it makes me feel and sound old and I do not care because, you know, these bands were like, we're, we're sitting here right now in 2021 talking about Oasis because of your favorite band because they're that important to you. I don't know how many people are going to have favorite bands like this 27 years from now of artists that have come out today. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I think it's, I think it's really like, there are records that I love. There are artists that I love, you know, that, you know, as of recent, but like, I think having that, like the whole like album cycle and things to connect to and visuals and like where you could really absorb them. And there was just, it it was almost like you were growing up along with the band. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I remember like where I was when I, I remember where I was when I heard definitely maybe I remember where I was when I first heard Morning Glory because I got to hear it two days in advance. And I thought that was the coolest thing on earth. How did you, so where did you hear that? My old friend's dad worked for Sony and like came home with a copy of it. And like, I remember it was like, oh, we can't listen to this. This is so bad to listen to it two days (laughs) in advance. You can't tell anybody you've heard this. Um, And like, I remember, (laughs) I remember seeing the video for, do you know what I mean? Like, I remember all of these things so vividly and seeing Oasis and like, just also, like I said, just having that, like loving Oasis and Blur, which I know is like a weird thing at the time that I loved both of them, but it was just this gateway for me beyond also like the grunge thing, like the first record I ever bought still don't know if it was in utero or super unknown still don't know either one right like either one man i was like wow and then like the second time or third was 
Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, and Ace of Base to sign two records. Also, yeah, still. fucking phenomenal. Yeah, and, still. <laughs> like, I'm okay with it. But, you know, it's, it's like, it was just this gateway for me into, like, discovery and discovering scenes and, like, pay, like, like going to Barnes and Noble and paying $10 for the enemy to look right. through and to oh, find totally. all the fans. And, like, you it's a different kind of discovery now. And it's almost like so much more of a judgmental discovery because when you used to get like enemy or melody maker or Q or select like any of those things, a journalist would be telling you that this was cool. And it automatically, it, it was just such a, di- you know, now you have the opportunity to form th- these opinions on your own. Yeah, of course. But I kind of liked it. I, it was it was like this gateway and like if you like you know if you like the charlatans you'll like this and i'm like oh okay i love the charlatans i'm gonna oh yo the, the, the recommended if you likes those fucking got me like yeah. those got me like that and there was like a huge resurgence of those on cds in like the early 2000s because there were so many there was like so many metalcore bands and like all these oh if you like coc but also like napalm death and corrosion of conformity well you'll like this shitty band because that sound nothing like any of those but i love that like i love that mentality and that that helped out so much back then and i think things being put into buckets back then per show like 120 minutes if it was buzzworthy at mtv mm-hmm. like then you were like this is hot shit like i have to listen to this because mtv is telling me that this is good. And then you you, you saw the, the videos that they included and they were always fire. Like they were always good. And the reality is, is a lot of the things that they recommended, a lot of the programming for 120 minutes, like fucking spot on. So I mean, spot like, on. So spot on. I remember taping it and like either probably like EP if I ran out of tape because that mm-hmm. was eight hours. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I know uh, the drill. Know, you know. LP was four. SP was the better quality. Right. But it was two <laughs> hours and sometimes it would cut off the last couple of videos. Oh, you know it. Uh-huh. This so is I, my weekly struggle. Yep. So I recorded it and I remember waking up early on a Monday and like fast forwarding all the videos and seeing what there was. And, you know, it, it was just so fun. It was, it was. So, I remember like, I remember discovering 120 minutes because I left MTV on when I was sleeping and Liz Fair Supernova came on. I was like, this is cool. What's this? And I started watching it every week. And it was, that was also like a big way that I discovered a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, of course. Like you'd watch it. Like if you, if you were a kid watching it, you didn't know who Oasis was. You see this, you're like, oh my God, I have to like save up $18 now. And I have to go to the store. I have to somehow get this money that like, I can't tell you how many times I saw shit and was like, I immediately have to get on my bike or like babysit or mow the lawn or do what the fuck I was doing umpiring little league like I, I need money to go buy this music that's it was the work I know we're talking now we're moving into an ethical uh, or a more philosophical lane of, of music you know acquisition but like <clears throat> it was so important because you got it and if it sucked you were fucking mad like the album one single and you're like yeah right it's like oh this is shit so you there's an investment so like either you made yourself try to like it or you spent the time the money the effort like you went it's the whole like it's the whole process it's the whole like it's the whole thing like what's the word i'm looking for it's the whole um yeah process is fine fuck it but that's what it is that's now completely gone by like three clicks but the other side of that is now people are will discover Oasis. Like, look at Kelsey Carter. Like, one of my artists, Kelsey, will definitely listen to this episode because it's one of her favorite bands. She's in her mid-20s. I don't really know how old Kelsey is. Sorry. And But, like, her favorite bands, I mean, I don't know what her favorite favorite band is, but <clears throat> she loves Oasis and loves Green Day. It's like, there's she's she's just she just discovered them in a whole separate way there's a whole generation even younger than her that are discovering green day now just like they're going to discover oasis by just clicking a button and there's something to that especially now they've been gone for 12 years and i you know and that discovery process for people i think is amazing and mm-hmm. you know i mean the discovery process and the way that like we connected to music like going and getting that shrink wrap and unraveling it and looking at the credits like 
also we have to remember that like, there's so much more to listen to now. There's so much less time to look at that, you know, look at those credits and people don't even really care. And that's okay too. It's something that like I miss because I grew up with it, but like, it's it's however people are discovering something, whether it be new or old, you know, whether, whether, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Discovery is discovery. Like you have to make, if you have the means, you have to make everything available. Like basically people will consume however they want to consume. Let them consume it. Don't ever put up a roadblock. So that's, that's all I will say about that. I do want to loop it back to Oasis for a second, specifically to Oasis. um, Because I'm so curious. I always love asking this question because your, so your favorite record definitely maybe is that their best record? Oof. They're not often the same. No, I I mean, I think their best record is What's the Story. I really do. I like, I mean, I'd agree I with love that. definitely maybe more. It's a dirtier record. It's less polished in the sense mm-hmm. where like, it, it's just the songwriting is better on What's the Story. Like, just like the production is better. It's just a better record. It is. But at the same time, and, and also it's more diverse. Like if you listen to Definitely Maybe, there's a lot of the same tones and chords and like, it kind of sounds in some way, like one long song, but like one's a ballad and one's kind of, you know, faster tempo, but what's the story, man? There's, I mean, like champagne supernova compared to like, Oh, the beginning of what's the story morning glory with like that. those like helicopter rage. Like it's just so piercing. It, and, it's like, like the guitar raid siren kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's like that it sucks you in. And like all of a sudden the chords kick in and Liam's vocals kick in. And like it, it, that song to me is fucking perfect, man. That song yeah. is so good. It is. Well, that that's what made me a fan. That song. Cause that it was, song. I was a metal and hardcore kid. And it's like, now you got these British dudes and it's like Beatlesque harmonies. And then all of a sudden that riff and that hook. And it's like, and it's and the vocals are distorted, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is my speed. This is this is what I want." So yeah, that that's I I a hundred percent agree. That's the one. And then Champagne Supernova, like even though it's not one of my favorite songs on the record, like it's right. just don't look back in anger. Like there's just like she's electric. Like mm-hmm. it's super diverse, and I feel I feel like it was their last feeling of really trying to prove themselves like we deserve to be here it doesn't matter that we were poor fucking council flat kids like be here now they were already fucking rich and they were like whatever we're gonna put johnny depp on a fucking record like we don't give a shit like we know that this is gonna sell millions of records we can fucking shit on a record at this point i mean by then they had already released a fight like single called wibbling rivalry that made it to number 46 in the uk charts like they were able to do whatever they wanted right i they mean didn't care. they were past the point of giving a shit they were like whatever we're just gonna make this record spend a lot of money and like who cares people will still buy it and they fucking did and they will yeah. always buy that record people will always buy those first two records probably first three for, I mean, I love Be Here Now. I think Be Here Now is like, there's so many really, really, really good tracks. Obviously, do you know what I mean? Is amazing. Mm. And like, ugh, there's just like, I like my big mouth, Stand By Me. Like, oh, Stand By Me is like, so uh, good. just beautiful. It's getting better, man. Oh, my dog's crying. Let's it's okay. It. Victoria, Come on, puppy. Victoria's got a puppy. I do. I have a puppy and I love her. She's so sweet. <laughs> she's also very needy okay you want so sue is gonna sue's favorite band <laughs> is oasis too she loves oasis right oh my god right? you love oasis if you could just see this dog it's fucking adorable she's very sweet Aww. and she's just eating poop so she can stay on the bed although who knows what she's gonna chew <laughs> we'll see the, the perks of being a puppy owner so but, um so that being said, if you could, st- where would you start somebody? If you had a song, one song of where to start somebody. And I know this could be divisive because you're trying to figure out what kind of person you're talking to, but where would you start somebody? If you're like, check this out. If you don't fuck with this, you're not going to listen to this band. It could be the last song they ever recorded. Just where, where would you personally start somebody? 
I think what's the story morning glory. I mm-hmm. think that song's fucking perfect. And then like having an understanding for the band and like also, you know, like getting down to business. Like I, I feel like it, it's a good starting point and explanation and like the history behind that. And it being like the, one of the best selling records of all time in the UK. And like, just also at that point, like, you know, Britpop and like British music really hadn't done anything in the U S either. You know, there was obviously, you know, in the sixties and seventies, all that stuff, but Oasis was this like weird, like came out of nowhere, like top 10 U S arena selling. Like it was weird. Yeah, it worked. And no- nothing else had broken. Like blur was obviously fucking massive in the UK nobody cared like all of these weird bands that everybody thought was too British and the record companies would sign them because it was a tax write-off, but like, totally, you know, Oasis really broke through. They were, they were yeah. honestly one of the only bands in the nineties that were British. I mean, to, blur, like blur. Bush. Yeah. Well, Bush, but Bush was doing something different. Blur, blur only broke through because they had a song that was so off the path of what blur normally does. Right. On Sue is not what blur does. No, but also like that, but there was that weird time in 97 and also, I mean, Be Here Now had come out then. So I guess it Mm -hmm. kind of, Oasis kind of paved the way a little bit where people were like, oh my God, Britpop, because it was, you know, the Verve came out, like Urban Hymns came out. Oh yeah, that's right. 97, Song 2 slash the self-titled Blur record. Mm -hmm. Um, OK Computer came out in 97 like it's just this weird wave of like british music you could call it brit pop you can call it whatever you want but it 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 kind of had this like it it almost gave bands this shot that they never had before yeah ever 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 never thought about it that way because like you look at whatever you want to call it the grunge era the seattle era ending literally dying in 96 screaming trees dying days they're like, this is the end of grunge. Like they fucking proclaimed it. And then Britpop came in right there in the mainstream. And that basically held us over until new metal. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. I never really put it together like that. Yeah, it was, it was, and it was so weird. And I remember like, obviously being like an angsty teenager and being like, you don't actually like this stuff. You only like it because it's on the radio and I'm the fan. I was that asshole and I really regret it. Like, especially looking back, I'm like, oh, music's for everybody. Like, right. you know, placebo, placebo had like a, was big for a little while here. They were, they were. Like, you know, and I mean, I really think Oasis really paved that way. 100%. Oh, the, the, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I, I think this conversation has made me think about them in a different light as just as being not standard bear or whatever tag you want to put on it, but just being a band that literally like you, you nailed it, like being able to not give a fuck because them not getting to the point to not give a fuck by proving themselves by not giving a fuck gave them carte blanche to give less of any fucks. And it, 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 it all it did was make weirder and better records. Like that mid era of Oasis is so fucking good. Like I think like to your point, like, like that, um, the heathen times and like that whole Hindu times, I'm sorry, heathen chemistry, that whole, that record's amazing. I worked at a college. Like those records got panned here. They didn't perform well, but those records are deep. There are some great songs on there. And the craziest part is I do wonder what people would think about it. If the record came out today. Oh, totally. It'd be completely different. Sick. Like it's Mm -hmm. so good. And, you know, I also think that like, during the times, like after standing on the shoulder of giants, I just feel like they just kind of stopped giving a shit. And they were like, what do we need to do to fucking make some money and like do whatever we want? Like, yeah. and you know what? Like they're allowed. They prove themselves as musicians. And like, you know, I, I, they're not my favorite Oasis records. I still like love them. Sure. I love the band, but like, I think they kind of lost it a little bit in the sense where they were just like, we're rich and we don't care. There was an, there was an element of phoning it in. I think, especially like even with some of the artwork and some of the create the creative processes and the editing and some band member switch outs. But I mean, I'll take it like their worst is better than most bands best. Right. And like, you know, you, I look back at some of them and I'm like, Oh shit. Force of nature on, on heathen chemistry. Oh yeah. That song is good. That sounds so good. Like, 
mucky fingers on 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 don't mm-hmm. believe the truth and like love like a bomb like and also like i mean i don't really love dig out your soul but there's some good tracks like shock and lightning like there's still some good tracks and right. that's the thing it's like you know if if that if they release that today because obviously it's such a singles market people would fucking love it they'd be like oh, yeah. rules well yeah because you're, you're looking at it through a different lens now you're not trying to say okay cool does this song on dig out your soul is does this is this on par with like cigarettes and alcohol it's fucking not but but they've already done that now they're doing this there's just and looking clearly like the tank wasn't empty because look what they've done since like right. the first two high flying birds records like i said those could have been oasis records in my mind and liam it might have taken him a decade to find his way but he fucking found it like yeah. his two solo records that he's done as a solo artist like not bdi they're really good yeah and you know also like an I feel like they, you know, BDI was a miss, I think. And yeah. Yeah. Like also something to mention too, which is so good, is that Chemical Brothers setting sun vocal on like that Noel did. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. That, I forgot like, about that. Dude, that like, I feel like there were very few misses, especially yeah. in the 90s, early 2000s. Like everything was just spot on because they didn't give a shit. They were like, we don't fucking care. We can do what we want. We can say what we want and don't care. Like, what are the consequences going to be like? Oh, you you don't have me on your show. Great. I'm fucking rich. I don't give a shit. Oh, you don't like me. Great. Fuck you. You don't know my life. Like they didn't didn't care. And that's what made them fucking punk as fuck and awesome. When you're selling millions and millions and millions and millions of records, you get away with it, whatever you want, because you've made your numbers. You're in the black. Doesn't matter. Yep. So- stop caring like that was apparent yeah i mean and the infighting you know they could say that like oh this guy's a prick whatever but like it did get the best funny that's why i was like don't ever like please stay bad forever because this is hilarious right right look i'm still i'm i'm hoping i'm hoping because i i I am fucking on my list and i will be there with you in the front row whatever row in the back row in the vip like I will travel wherever we need to go. That will be a fun trip. I'll grow. Like, I'll grow out a unibrow so I could like. Fuck in, yeah! In solidarity. I, I will not do that. I'm just putting that <laughs> out there. Okay, so I want to end this with two. So now I, I end this with two questions, and this didn't feel appropriate for like the Ryan Adams episode, but it feels appropriate for this one. So I always want to ask, what do you think their sexiest song is? Oh, and like I had. A, good answer with, with the, on the cave-in episode where my buddy was like no i want like this to be like a really awkward stripper situation like for it to be like trying to dance but it's, it's in like an odd time signature and it like doesn't work it was the best answer ever but i think with oasis they do have like there's a feel there that it, they could have like a good i think cigarettes and alcohol yeah I that's what i was thinking too yeah yeah that works at least for yeah. like a really like seedy like yeah, and just like the drawn out, like vocal. Yep, yep. Like it. Oh, it's so dirty. Or Lila. <laughs> oh, Lila's good. Wait, that's in a wait. That's in a, that's in a, that's a waltz. I think. Oh, that's gonna be bad. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> okay, and then the one that I'm really I, I'm really keen on this is what would what what Oasis song would you play at your funeral? Oh, I'm terrible with death, but I don't know what Oasis song. Probably slide away. That's a good one. But like just just because like I have such a connection to that song. And like, I mean, hopefully they reunite and you could hear it live. And it's like it it's just oh, it's just so good. Yeah. It's just so good. But yeah, I think slide away. That's good. Yeah, that's better than mine for sure. What's yours? Fucking in the bushes. Yeah. No, no, no that, I'm not. That, I think "Fucking in the Bushes" would be my like, if I had to pick like a wrestler entrance song from Oasis, "Fucking in the Ooh. Bushes." Right. That, that's 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 they, a good one. They, opened, they came out. What tour was it? I don't remember what it was, but they used to open with that. They'd walk on yeah. stage. Right, right. We'd be playing on like because I've seen you know I've seen Boots and th- and there's another band that I've seen in the last like five years that use "Fucking in the Bushes" as their like walk on stage music. I can't remember. Wasn't Pearl Jam? Tell us. I'm sorry. 
I said the internet will tell us. Oh, the internet will definitely tell us. But it was like a random one. I'm like, wait, because you know when you hear something like out of context, and you're like, I know this. Why do I know this? Your your brain's putting the Lego right. pieces together, you know? Yeah. Anyway, Victoria, this has been awesome. Oh, and Sue, we have a, do- a first dog on. Wait, yeah. no, sec- second dog, Sue. second dog. Who else? What other dog was there? Amy Shiretto, uh on the um, Snapcase episode has she has bulldogs, and you could hear them like you know doing all their noises and their collars jingling, and that dog is adorable. Anyway, <laughs> Victoria, Bye. thank you. Bye. Thank, thank you, everyone. Thank you this so much great. for doing this. Yes, I will speak to you. I'm sure later tonight yeah. on text, but um, please, I will uh, follow Victoria on socials. I will share in the post. Listen to the playlist. I will share that in the post, which I'll put together eventually. And um, thank you so much for listening to the Grossed Out Podcast. Have a good one. <laughs>